and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, this is Brother Frank for another episode of The Remnant Call. Glad you are here with us. Uh, excited to be here tonight. I know it's Friday. We normally do The Remnant Call on Thursday, but we're going to be hitting it again Friday. But we're going to attempt to get back on the Thursday, uh, next schedule next week. But, folks, it is definitely a changing world we are living in. The president uh, yesterday said that he's now mobilizing the military to distribute the potential, which whatever that means, vaccine coming. And I don't know about you, but the thought of our military being there to distribute a vaccine, if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what does. Folks, we are living in the end times. This is the last days. Uh, this is the hour that your grandparents, your great-grandparents believed about, the prophets believed about. They, they knew it was coming. You are now have been blessed to be in that time. And folks, I don't know what else the Lord needs to do to send out a wake-up call. Let's not wait until they're beating down our doors before we get serious in our worship with the Lord. If you didn't hear last week's show, you're going to want to go back there and catch that. It's about the coming attack and the faith it takes to survive it. Uh, the coming attack, prophecy, and the faith it takes to survive what's coming. Folks, what is coming is going to be tough, but our God is able to sustain us. And we started a program two weeks, I believe it was, back on War on the Saints with Brother Benjamin Baruch. And we are back to finish that program by God's grace tonight with War on the Saints Part 2. And with that, I'm going to bring on our guest tonight. Brother Benjamin, are you here with me? Well, hey, Frank. Good evening. I don't even know why I say guest. How about family? That's a little more that that's a more realistic. Our family brother Benjamin's on now. So thank you, brother, for being on here tonight. Thanks for getting uh back here to finish this. It was a great program. Folks, if you didn't catch part one, you need to go back and and, and uh do that. Also, please don't forget, like us on YouTube, share this program around. People ask me, can I re-put your program over to my... I, listen, folks, nothing we have is copyrighted here on this show. If you want to share it with somebody, I just ask that you do not alter what we say. Other than that, feel free. I'm not getting any royalties. I don't take any money. I haven't written any copyright. You can do what you want. Just share. Jesus is coming. Brother, thank you for being back. And I would ask Benjamin, could you start us off with a word of prayer? I know what's going to be coming forth tonight is going to be serious, and uh, if you could just ask God to bless, brother. Amen. Thank you, Frank, for the opportunity to preach the word of truth in these final hours in America, Babylon. We're going to have to redo the program, you know, from uh, the wilderness of Zion uh, after the second exodus, God willing, if we're all still part of the remnant at that time. 
But, you know, today we are in the final hours of America, Babylon. So let's pray. Father, thank you for awakening your people. Thank you, Lord, for Amen. salvation in Jesus. Thank you that a price was paid. An infinite price was paid for our salvation. Lord, I pray that this program tonight would come forth through the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Words of truth, apples of gold, would come forth, would bring life and deliverance, healing and salvation to your people that we might make ready day of testing is coming soon. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, brother, it's been an eventful few weeks. Um, and I know War on the Saints, <laughs> War on the Saints, you have been experiencing that firsthand. Well, yeah, the war's real. Uh, you know, for so many and you know, within the experience of, of most of Christianity, you know, most church congregations will talk about spiritual warfare, but not really confronting the level of warfare that we are all going to soon be facing. And so, you know, with that in mind, we're going to, we're going to try to deal with, uh, an, second half of this message, if you will. So praise God. War on the saints. Yeah, it's not a theoretical war. It's a real war. And our adversary, Satan, and all of his principalities, and all of the satanic powers, and all of the satanic families, the Council of Thirteen, who are the ruling families of the Illuminati, the Antichrist, and you know, his family, false prophet and his false religion you know, and, and all the national all the way down to the local level all of the people that are part of this massive satanic structure which is growing like a cancer within the world they're all focused as our enemies and they're all under the direct control of Satan as are many many elements of our society Satan is weaponizing everything he can against humanity and against the people of God. So it's high time that we wake up to the devices and to the tactics of the enemy and begin to take appropriate actions to defeat the devil. Because, look, in much of American Christianity, you know, and I, and within many, many people within the what calls itself the church, the war on the saints has been been raging, and it's been covert, and people have not recognized it for what it was. Or if they have recognized it, they haven't properly engaged the enemy to defeat him. And instead, we've much of Christianity, and, and, and I would call it really churchianity, uh, has been waging this spiritual war in a very similar fashion to the way the United States of America fought the Vietnam War. And throughout the war in Vietnam, we never really understood the enemy. We never figured out how to take and, and, 
retain control of the ground or the battlefield. We thought our air superiority would give us an automatic victory. And throughout the entire conflict, the official position of the United States government and the United States military was that we were winning until we lost. And that's the official position in much of the church. They've already declared victory. And, but it's a victory that is hollow because the war's not over. And in fact, in many, many areas of our country and in many, many families, in many, many churches, we're not winning. We're losing. But we have the authority in Jesus to turn that around. But for lack of knowledge, my people perish, saith the Lord. I had a close Christian friend that um, was a prayer partner of mine years ago, and and we recently reconnected, and and we were praying and and um, about some warfare issues. We were dealing with the war on the saints at a personal level, and you know, and he sent me an email declaring victory. <laughs> I said, "Brother, oh, you can't declare the victory until the." anointing that has broken the yoke of the enemy has, in fact, occurred. But, you know, within so many corners of Christianity, within the charismatic movement, within the many, many churches, people are prone to declare victory. They pray, you know. They might take some authority. They might even, you know, bind the enemy. Um, they might even consider casting him out of their lives or their dwellings or their or their families. They might even bind him and cast him out, but then they're very quick to declare victory and assume that the war is over. And, and, and in many instances, the battle has not yet been fully engaged. And so, you know, that's one of the deceptions that the enemies use so effectively against the church is to not realize how deep the incursion has been, to not realize the extent of the attack, to not realize the extent of the ground that has been compromised and to not realize who the real adversaries are. And, and you know, we'll be surprised to find out how many people were easily moved, activated by the darkness in the war on the saints. We're going to get into that tonight. Let's start with the scripture. Proverbs 25, verses 4 and 5. Take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer, a vessel that is refined. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Take away the wicked from before the remnant, and the temple of God, the household of faith, will be established in righteousness. But if you leave the mixed multitude together, don't be deceived. Bad company, wicked company, defiling company will destroy good character. My people perish for lack of knowledge, for lack of identifying the enemy, and for lack of understanding how to remove the wicked whether they're coming at us from the spiritual world or whether they're 
the representatives that the enemy's been able to activate that are brothers and sisters, even. We need to remove the wicked, both in the spirit world and in the natural. And then the throne of righteousness will be established. So first step is identifying the enemy. Satan is a master of deception. He comes as an angel of light. And he can animate or activate people that are believers. Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, Who do the men say that I am? Of course, the answers were, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say the prophet. And then Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Anointed One. You're the Living Son of Almighty God. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Rather, my Father in Heaven. And then Jesus went on to to prophesy of his death on the cross and Peter immediately said no Lord don't go there now Peter in his natural mind was actually trying to protect the Lord and Jesus turned to him and said get behind me Satan for you are seeking the things of men and not the things of God and you know no doubt Peter probably turned to the other disciples and said he called me Satan well, actually, Jesus was referring to the Spirit. He was speaking to the Spirit that had captivated and had used Peter's mind to speak a word contrary to the Word of God. And it came forth almost immediately after divine revelation. Peter operated in word of knowledge with divine revelation from Father God Almighty, ex- identifying and and exalting the Lord Jesus for who he is as both Messiah and King and the eternal Son of God. But within the next nanosecond, Peter went back into the mind of the flesh. And that's one of the ways we have been so easily fooled by the tactics of the enemy is that we tend to assume the pastor that gave the anointed message last week, the sister that spoke a beautiful prayer, the person you prayed with and you felt the Holy Spirit move. We tend to assume all of those people are now going to be of God every time they say or do anything. And the reality is the enemy can turn any one of us. All we have to do is turn into the flesh, turn to the mind of the flesh. And we can be speaking words without knowledge. We can be Job's comforters in a moment. And that's why we were told to test and to prove all things. But the church, in this last era of time, has not been very good at listening to the admonitions of the Lord. We're like a bunch of children in grade school. goes in one ear and out the other, and we forget about it. And yet these admonitions were critical. They were given for our protection and our survival. We need to become mature. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be paying attention. And and being there to test, you know, prove all things, test all things. Just 
because somebody was anointed last week doesn't mean they're going to have the Rima Word of God today. You continue to test all things. And, and within the church, we're, we're, it's really a form of laziness where we just like to assume. An assumption is a presumptuous sin. And the sin of presumption, to just guess, to just presume, is actually a felony in the kingdom because it can get you and your family killed. You have to wait for confirmation. We don't guess in the issues of life and death. We just flip a coin. Well, was it the Lord? I don't know. Throw a coin in the air, brother. No, you wait on your God. You seek the Lord. And and you pray, and you press in, and the Lord will confirm every word of truth. And if you seek wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and the discernment of spirits, God will begin to reveal to you the identity of the enemy. So let's talk a little bit about how the enemy confronts us. First, the four principal avenues of attack. I was shown this in a vision. I was caught up into the spirit world. I was actually um, in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, saying my final prayers, and I was saying good night to the Lord, and I was caught up into the Spirit. And Satan appeared in front of me, and he attacked me. He tried to claw me in the face, and I lifted my hand, and I rebuked him. He disappeared, and he appeared on my left. Again, I turned and rebuked the enemy. He appeared behind, again attacking. I turned and, and rebuked the enemy. And then I lost my peace became very troubled. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the enemy attacks from the right. Turn and rebuke the darkness. And so I turned. I couldn't see anything, but I rebuked the darkness and my peace returned unto me. And then I was back in my bed. And my immediate reaction is that I had had a vain imagination. I began to repent. Lord, I just imagined a vision and... And I'm repenting, and the Lord's like, that was not a sin. That was a real vision. And then I, I thought to myself, well, if that was a real vision, the Word says that you'll give the interpretation. So, Lord, I pray for the interpretation. And God downloaded an hour's worth of information. And I got really excited because I thought, wow, I just had my first vision. You know, I'm thinking, I must really be doing good. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me and said, I don't know what you're so excited about. Because everything I've shown you is now going to happen to you. And I merely wanted to warn you. And that cooled my jets quickly. And it did all indeed happen. The f- very quickly, the first attack in your face is the frontal attack, and that's the, the assault on your mind to try to get you to turn away from the Word of God and to place the Word of God beneath your own understanding. Those of us who know the Word of God is in fact God's Word are smart enough to realize if we don't understand God's Word, if there's something that we're a little confused about, the problem is with us, it's not with God's Word. So that's, if you can dismiss the first one, the attack from the left is the world, it's obviously in the hands of the enemy today. The attack from behind is the attack where Satan accuses you, tries to bring shame, guilt and condemnation against you because of all of the ways in which every one of us failed. More times than we can number, 
But we know there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so if we're willing to repent and turn away from those wicked ways, that's all under the blood of the Lamb. And, and again, it's, a, it's an attack that's easy to discern and easy to dismiss. And then comes the attack from the right. And that's the attack that you never see coming. You can't see that it's Satan because it's coming from what should be right and what should be righteous. It's coming from the church. It's coming from your family. It's coming from your friends. It's coming from people you normally would trust that you're in a right relationship with and yet having for whatever reason, being animated by the enemy, now they are being used to attack you. This was happening to Joshua in Zechariah 3. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. That was the most effective way to attack a believer. Because those who know their God, they're not going to discount the word of God. They're not going to fall for the tricks of going back to the world. They're not going to receive the condemnation and the shame from the past. The only avenue of attack that is left is from the right. And that's the one we don't see coming, and that makes it so devastating. Satan standing at the right hand of Joshua to resist him. The right hand is the place of friendship, the place of agreement, the place of family, the church. And all that is right or should be righteous, and it's from the right hand that the deadly attacks come. And that word, this is fascinating, the word for resist, Satan was resisting Joshua, using all of those relationships while standing at his right hand. And the word for resist in the Hebrew is Satan. It's not Satan, but it's the same letters. It's it's the it's the shin and the tov and the n, but it's the emphasis is an e, not an i. So it's not satan; it's saten, and it means to attack or to accuse, to act as an adversary, to be hostile. So here, Satan is using the people around Joshua to attack him, and they are satening him. And a, a similar word is satam, which means to hate. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessings where his father had blessed him. Genesis 27, verse 41. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand, and then I'm going to murder my brother Jacob. Esau hated Jacob. And the word in the Hebrew is satam. Again, the same letters. The S, the T, only it's the M instead of N. Satam, and it means to hate, to oppose. And get this, it means to cherish the animosity against someone. To love hating them. And to persistently oppose them. Have you guys ever had a family member or, or someone that the enemy turned against you that was at one time in a right relationship with you, only now they cherish their bitterness and their animosity against you. That's the word Satan. That was Esau in his hatred of Jacob. And this is really how many, many of the most vicious attacks come against us. They come through 
family, they come through the church, they come through people that should be in right relationship with us. But if those people are open to any of the doors of the enemy, they are being used by Satan. Job speaks of this word, Satan, he says, this is the book of Job 16, verse 9, He teareth at me in his wrath. He hateth me. He gnashes upon me with his teeth. My enemy sharpens his eyes upon me. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me on the cheek. They gather themselves together against me. They literally, not only were hating Job, they were tearing at him. Jesus gave the same testimony in Psalm 22. Many bulls have compassed me. They've gaped upon me with their mouths. The, the attack of the enemy beyond verbal, beyond spiritual, literally now manifesting in the, in the physical. And Satan stands up against the people. He stood up against Israel, provoking David to number the people. And he stands against us as well. The strategy of the enemy is to gain ground in any way possible within our families, within our churches, within any relational group. And the, ground, the gaining of ground can occur through overt sin, but it can also, Satan can also gain ground through subtle forms of wickedness, including pride, envy, unforgiveness, bitterness, Anger, wrath, and malice. These turn into open doors for the enemy. They ultimately lead to mental illness of those that are captured thereby. But the enemy wants to bring the offense. He wants to bring the, the wounding. He wants to bring the hurt. He wants to bring feelings of rejection. Any in any way possible to attack us, to attack our families. And we face a daily battle. Every day the enemy forms an agenda against you, an agenda against your family, an agenda against your church. One of the effective forms of warfare is to confront the enemy in prayer and take authority against his weapons and his tactics and his strategy. Much of the church is not comfortable with praying in authority. Even though Jesus told us, I have given you authority over all of the power of the enemy. And even though Jesus told us, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And so we've been given the ministry that Jesus had received from his Father. We're the hands and the feet of the Messiah. We're the body of Christ. And we come with the same authority. But so many in the church just don't feel comfortable Stepping up and using that authority. 
notwithstanding the reality that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent will take it by force. So many are are uncomfortable to step up into the gap and literally take the authority by prayer, by using words of authority of divine commandment. The enemy has formulated a satanic agenda against you every day. When you wake up in the morning, Satan already knows what he has planned for your day how he's going to tempt you, how he's going to try to deceive you, how he's going to try to offend you, how he's going to attack you, how he hopes to open doors of unforgiveness and hurt and bitterness. And all of this is literally being planned and orchestrated by the demonic realm. When we pray in the morning, we can take authority over these agendas and we can bind them. We can rebuke these spirits. We can bind these plans. We can pray against the work of the enemy. And when these things begin to manifest, and you can start to identify that the enemy has created an offense, or that there is an open door, take authority. Declare the covering of the blood of Jesus over the people that you're praying for, and bind and rebuke the enemy. And cast them out. I had one Christian friend, he loved binding the enemy. He got that part completely down. He was constantly, whenever there was spiritual warfare, and and spiritual warfare is occurring daily, you guys. You don't live in Switzerland. We're not on neutral ground. The war is on, and it's being prosecuted. And so daily, we've got to confront the hosts of hell. And daily, we need to literally take authority and rebuke their attacks, rebuke their weapons, declare no weapon formed against us shall prosper, cancel their word curses, pray against their solical prayers, declare the covering of the blood of Jesus to stop all of the injury, all of the wounding, and all of the hurt, and all of the death and destruction that they have purposed and planned for each day. And yes, by all means, bind the devil that is coming against you and your family and those whom you're standing in the gap for. Declare them. Bind the strong man first. And don't stop. But once you've bound them, don't leave them sitting at the dining room table. Cast them out of the house. Command them to leave the property. Cast them out of your loved ones that you're praying for. The enemy's found an inroad. They've got their finger in the flesh, or they've got their fingers in the in an area. They've got a stronghold in an area. Bind those demonic forces under the authority of the name of Jesus, through which you can command them to be bound, and then cast them out. Now, a lot of Christians will pray and ask God to do this work for us. And it's totally appropriate to engage, ask the Lord to engage in the war with us, to enter into agreement with us, to pray that the Lord would send his warring angels into the gap, that the Lord himself would rebuke Satan, and that we would then stand in agreement, and we rebuke Satan as well, in accordance with the word of God in Zechariah 3, 
where the Lord rebuked Satan over the life of Joshua, and he rebukes Satan over the life of every believer, and we can stand in the gap and rebuke him as well. And it's a war, you guys. It doesn't turn on a single prayer. We continue to fight until the breakthrough occurs. We don't simply declare victory. We wait for the anointing to break the yoke. And we stand in the gap. But we are facing a daily battle. And it's going to get more intense. We are in a time when the abyss is opening and greater demonic forces are being released into the earth. There's also greater sin and defilement upon the ground. There's more blood of the innocent that's been poured out in defiling the land. There's greater hindrance in the atmosphere. There's greater hindrance in the world. And it's being released. It's manifesting. So our response in spiritual warfare must increase. We must meet the challenge. We also need to understand the objectives or the strategies of the enemy. Beyond gaining of ground, the enemy wants to destroy the family, and he wants to destroy and divide the church. If the enemy can get through the father, the effect on the household can be devastating. If he can get to the elders or the pastors, the effect on the church will also be devastating. And the enemy is strong. We are wrestling powerful forces. Frank, are you hearing a feedback sound? Uh, just, I think it's a slight uh, from your phone, just a little click happening. I'll edit it out after. Not that bad. Right to, no, it's not bad. Okay. The objective of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your relationships. We need to confront him. How does the enemy work? How do they gain this ground? Aside from overt sin, as I mentioned, they're looking to trap us in anger. They're looking to trap us in, in offenses. They're looking to trap us in bitterness. Ephesians 4, 26, Be angry, but sin not. And let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither, neither give place to the devil. And in this generation, in this time, so many are letting the sun go down on their anger. So many offended. I've mentioned previously the red horse of war that is taking peace from the earth has already been released. Before it takes peace from the nations in World War III, it is robbing the people of peace at a personal level. People are getting more easily offended today than at any time in history. The littlest thing is destroying relationships today. 
people are giving place to the devil. And one bit of unforgiveness creates a root of bitterness, and those roots grow over time. Those of you that have ever done any serious gardening, you know what happens when you leave the garden unattended for more than one season. And some of the grass that has super gnarly root structures begin to invade and the entire garden becomes just literally encroached with these root systems that go everywhere. These roots of bitterness just begin to go into every facet of your heart. And they defile many. Not just yourself, but everyone you're touching. And so what do we do with these people that are satemming you? That love to oppose you? Well, one of the things is we pray for them, we forgive them, we release them. But we also create some distance to, to avoid the continued re-injury. We take away the wicked from before the king and his throne will be established in righteousness. You remove the contentious from a group and peace will return. It's sometimes a hard decision to make but there are times where we've got relationships that become so contentious, so bound up with roots of bitterness, that the safest thing to do is to release them to the Lord and, and create some distance for yourself. And, and not in... You know, not intending to punish or shun, but literally for the, for your own protection spiritually. Especially in this time, brothers and sisters, where literally the command or the, the call from heaven is for the people of God to enter their prayer closets and close the door behind you and begin to fast and pray. Gather in your solemn assemblies with like-minded people that you can walk in agreement with. But if two are not agreed, how can they walk together? You know, in this particular window of time, as we move through the last of the counting of the Omer, and Pentecost is in approximately two weeks' time, and as people listen to this recording over the summer, as we move through this summer that is likely to be beyond any of our expectations. It's going to become very difficult. And a lot of people are going to trigger. A lot of people are going to react in fear, and they're going to react in anger, and they're going to react in frustration. And people are going to lose it. And it's very easy to get caught up in that dynamic. So the admonition is for us to separate ourselves. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a big, big event. It can be something as simple as, I don't have time right now. I'm fill in the blank. Why? You're too busy 
seeking the Lord, spending your time in prayer, you'll have to get back to those family members that cherish hating you (laughs) on another day and pray for them. Anger is in the hearts of so many. Anger that's not released at the cross of Jesus turns into bitterness. And they they grow as deep roots of defilement within the soul. And those roots defile many. This is how the strongholds of the enemy are built in our lives. And they're built on a foundation of lies. But there are steps to freedom. Starting with repentance and humbling ourselves. Beginning to take back the ground And this is where the battle comes in. The ground represents legal jurisdiction, legal authority to access and to operate. So the enemy, having occupied ground in the soul or the heart of an individual, is going to fight to retain it. And that's where the battle comes in. And that's where the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And that's where the violent will take it by force. And we have to prayerfully overcome and reverse the curse. If the ground was created by unforgiveness, bitterness, and anger, that needs to be repented of and renounced. And then we declare that ground having been cleansed. We've repented over those sin areas that gave the enemy license to that ground. And you pray that through. And don't worry about praying it through several times. As long as there's an issue there, you continue to repent over that ground. You peel back that onion. You take that issue to the cross of Jesus Christ. You nail it to the cross. You declare the covering of the blood of Jesus and you repent of every sin attitude that was associated with that ground and then you declare that ground having been sanctified and dedicated unto the Lord and you there then declare that those curses that were operating there are now no longer lawfully valid. You command those curses to be removed and in their place you speak the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ the blessing of his healing, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of the faith, the hope, and the love that are the fruits and the witness of the kingdom. And you go one area at a time. I mentioned previously spiritual warfare is a lot like warfare in the natural. We storm the beach, we develop a beachhead, and we begin to take the land. And we go from giant to giant, we take city after city. We go after one stronghold after another. If we're dealing with a loved one that is, let's say it's a rebellious teenager that is now in the throes of addiction, we will attack the addiction. And then we'll attack the spirit of rebellion. And then we'll attack the deep wounds that cause the anger and the response of rebellion. And we will literally pursue through the structure of the satanic bondage in that life. And and as you take one city, the Lord will show you what to take next. 
But repentance is always the key to each opening, to taking back each piece of ground. It must begin with repentance and with an acknowledgement that we declare this ground no longer under the dominion of the enemy. We repent of whatever sin or whatever attitude gave Satan this ground. We repent of it in Jesus' name. We break the power of Satan off of that area. We bind the strong man's spirits. We cast them out. And we bind every other spirit that's operating. We bind all the gatekeepers and all the deceiving spirits. We command all of Satan's power to come off of that ground. We plead a covering of the blood of Jesus. And then we declare those curses to be removed. All satanic authority canceled. We plead and the covering of the blood of Jesus and, and as we reclaim that ground we dedicate it to the Lord we take it to the cross we release it to Jesus we command those curses to be lifted and the blessing of God to come down and we continue to fight until the battle is won and then we ask for wisdom what, how did this area open up was it the wrong music? The satanic music of this final generation is a form of witchcraft. Amen. All of the satanic bands that are promoted by the Illuminati-controlled entertainment industry are all, in one form or another, part of global witchcraft. When these albums are finally produced, before they are master copied and duplicated, they are subject to ritual witchcraft to literally put evil spirits into every copy of the music. So that every time this music that has been dedicated to Satan is played, demons are conjured up. And so... You're innocently watching your favorite Nephilim football team on the NFL, and in the background, the stadium sound system is playing satanic music for the masses. And it's piping right into your home. When you watch on CBS or, or whatever, turning on the radio, perhaps you yourself still have a satanic music collection. These articles, this music, this industry that has been dedicated to Satan cannot be cleansed. The only thing that has been contaminated by Satan or even dedicated to the enemy that can be cleansed and redeemed by Jesus is the human soul. Because Jesus died for the sins of humanity. But the rest of this stuff has to be destroyed. We don't redeem it. We don't try to pray over it. We destroy it. We burn it. You don't sell it. You don't give it away. You smash it into a million pieces. You burn it with fire. The wrong music, the wrong entertainment, receiving the, a false word, the wrong belief system, coming into agreement with lies of the world and lies of the evil one, receiving false prophetic words, receiving false declarations, 
no matter how well-intentioned, coming out of anything other than the Spirit of God brings a bondage, brings a yoke. The charismatic church, you know, became famous for for everybody giving prophetic words to each other, none of which ever came to pass, all of which put everyone into bondage. And look at the condition of it today. We've come out of agreement with anything. If we've come into agreement with anything that is not of the Lord, we repent of it, we renounce it, we break its power, we claim the blood of Jesus against it, and we cast it down. We renounce, we revoke, we rescind, we annul. We declare canceled any agreement that we've ever entered into that was not of God. These agreements will bind you. We renounce Satan's hold, and we declare our rejection out loud. Hallelujah. At the same time, we can come against the bitterness and the unforgiveness within us. Look, everyone has been injured. We're all a bunch of hurt people. And everybody has been hurt. Some more, some less, but we all have suffered the pain at the hands of the people that we loved. And people that loved us many times as well. we got to pray through these areas. We've got to identify the people that have hurt us and the things that were done that produced deep hurts within us, we've got to release these at the cross. We've got to give this to God. We've got to let this go so it doesn't contaminate our hearts any longer. And we want to forgive the other person so they're not bound to us as well through this wicked memory. The really deep-seated wounds can actually cause a a fracture or a splitting of the human heart. And in those broken places, the enemy inserts their lies. They assert they insert their deceptions. And because of severe trauma, the natural defense mechanism of the human soul tends to bury. Those things can go under the denial veil. And people can have within them deep-seated memories of severe woundings they no longer can access with their conscious mind. But those things still have authority to operate within us when activated by the enemy. Those issues can also be pricked through spiritually with faith. We can literally pray that the, any fractured or split areas within us, that the blood of Jesus would cover them, that God would bring forward into our conscious mind any memories of, of the same, and that we could again release these things at the cross, that all satanic programming that was embedded within us be removed. We can renounce it, we can bind it, we can cast it out of us, and we can pray and ask Jesus to merge or to the broken areas of our soul into one heart renewed under the new covenant, a new heart given unto us through faith and repentance in Jesus' name.
We can let go of the past. We can let go of relationships that are still toxic. We can let go of being re-injured. You can continue in prayer. If you feel the Lord wants you to hold the people in prayer, you continue in prayer, but you don't have to continue to be injured. Forgive them and release them and let them go. And we can also come against the greatest sin of all, which resides in many, many people, and that's the sin of pride. It's the sin of the heart. Pride compasses the wicked as a chain. They're bound by it. Only through pride comes contention. We live in a time where contention is out of control. One contending with another. It's because pride has budded. Ezekiel 7 verse 10. Behold the day. It's the day of the Lord. Behold it is come. The morning is gone forth. The rod has blossomed. Pride has budded. And by budding, we're now witnessing the fruit of pride. And it is contention and every evil work. We need to also pray through all the other areas of satanic attack with repentance and using the spiritual warfare skills to bind the authority of the enemy, to declare the ground that was given, covered under the blood of Jesus, covered under repentance, command the curses, the generational curses to be broken and and those areas redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And, and on this includes every sin area that could be operating in, the, in an individual, you know, including sexual sin, soul ties of any form, and false relationships, even false prophetic words coming under false agreements. All of these are forms of soul ties. Be careful who you come into agreement with. Well, the reason Satan sent so many false prophets into the church to speak so many false words was accepting and receiving those false words creates a soul tie to the spirit that brought them forth. So we really need to renounce these things and take them to the cross and destroy them. Repent of them and restore our minds, restore our souls. All of these warfare principles apply to families under attack. And if one family member is under attack, the whole family is being attacked. One open door, literally, the enemy is going to shoot at everyone. We need to break the curse. We need to stand in the gap for one another. And we need to understand that many times the battle starts in our head. We need to discern the wrong thoughts. We need to test all things. We need to carefully weigh our own thoughts. And we need to take our thoughts captive when they're contrary to the obedience of Jesus. We need to arrest them. How do you take a thought captive? By declaring your authority over it. The enemy puts a thought in your mind of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of temptation, of death, doubt, unbelief, whatever. You discern that it's not of the Lord. It came forth from either the flesh or it was literally spoken into you by an enemy spirit. It resonated up through your consciousness. You thought maybe it was your own thought, but if you listen carefully, 
You'd be able to tell the difference. It didn't come from you. It came from without. You bind that thought. You take it captive. You place it under arrest. I'm not going to receive that thought. That thought has no place in my life. I nail that thought to the cross of Jesus Christ. And I choose obedience in my thoughts to the obedience of Jesus. In all of these things, prayer and fasting is paramount, particularly in the lateness of the hour. As Frank mentioned, they're going to use the military to provide free medical vaccinations to the population. Mandatory vaccinations are a violation of the U.S. Constitution. They're a violation of the Nuremberg Code that prohibits any medical treatment without valid consent. And consent is only valid when you have a legal right to refuse. We are in a time where they're going to try to defile all of us. Prayer and fasting is mandatory. They're already defiling the many through the spirit of offense that has been released into the land. Many shall be offended in this hour Matthew 24, verse 9. This is what's next, my friends. Next, they will deliver you up to be afflicted. They will come for you. They will arrest you. They will take you. And they will afflict you. And they shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended. You think it was bad last week? Just wait. The vast majority suddenly will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. They're going to satam one another. And it will be Satan in them. And then many false prophets shall arise. The false prophet will soon be arising. Although, we already know who that clown is. And they will deceive many. Most people are going to be fooled by this. And because iniquity is abounding, the love of many will wax cold. Do not let that happen to you. But he that endures until the end, he shall be saved. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. We need to learn how to war in the spirit. We need to learn how to fight. And it begins with understanding our authority and it begins with understanding the power that we have in the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 said, to whom you forgive anything, he's writing to the church, if you forgive anything, I forgive them also. For I forgave anything I forgave it for your sakes and for the sake of the gospel, lest Satan should get an advantage over us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. We need to wake up. We need to smarten up. We need to be the people who discern and test all things, the people who wait for confirmation and do not commit presumptuous sin. We don't guess. We don't pretend. This is not kindergarten. We're entering into the war at the end of the age. And this is not the time for the church of the book of Acts. The church that is still walking in the revelation of the book of Acts 
is going to get an axe laid to their neck before too long. We are going to become the church of the book of Revelation, or we are going to become the martyrs of the book of Revelation. And if we're martyred, praise God, we don't stay dead. We'll be in the kingdom soon enough. You know, and it's not as if being martyred is somehow a failure, brothers and sisters. Many of us are going to be martyred. Jesus was martyred. It was the Lord's greatest victory. The apostles were martyred. There will be many martyred. You're not going alone. Do not receive fear. If the thought of persecution is resulting in, in you being tempted to fear, that right there is from the enemy. Rebuke it. Take authority over it. Bind it. Cast it out. Declare you're not going to be afraid. The scripture declares that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and a sound mind. Now, in some of us, the enemy has created a stronghold of fear. We were taught to fear. We grew up in a home of fear. Perhaps you had a, a father or a mother that was prone to fear, and, and that generational stronghold was inherited in the, in the children or the grandchildren. Well, it's time we brought an end to that stronghold, isn't it? So we'll attack it. In Jesus' name, we rebuke the spirit of fear. We repent of it. We're not going to receive fear. We're going to receive the word of God. And we are not going to be afraid because the Lord is with us. If we get arrested, if we get delivered up to be afflicted, we are not going alone. The Lord is going with us. And actually, the process is a cleansing to prepare the people of God for the wedding feast. And at the point of total repentance, the Lord pours the Holy Spirit out on His people. And they're filled with such faith and they're filled with such power that at the point where they're laying their lives down, none of them are afraid. They're like Stephen peering into the sky and suddenly the heavens open and Jesus says, come up here. And many of us will wear the crown of life for having been faithful unto death. And dying for the Lord is an honor. You know, now, I know the line is short for people wanting to volunteer to be martyrs. Yes, of course, we, we all wish to live. That's the natural flesh, the mind of the flesh wishes to live. But in the time that is ahead, we need to just stand in our faith. We've got to attack the spirit of fear. We've got to attack these strongholds. We've got to learn to take authority. We must practice the ability to issue the divine commandments that Jesus is waiting for us to walk in. Because the kingdom of heaven is about to suffer violence. But those among us that are willing to fight, they will take the kingdom by force. And don't be discouraged. Sometimes the battle rages for a while. I know in the charismatic churches, they really um, always expected 
a victory or a breakthrough within, you know, the first few minutes of praying. And if they instantly didn't get their breakthrough, you know, they would be tempted to tell you that your faith wasn't good enough, or maybe this was the thorn that the Apostle Paul had to carry. Well, first of all, you're not the Apostle Paul. And that example of a thorn only occurred once in the entire history of the kingdom of God. So, you know, that is not wisdom or good counsel. Simply because we haven't had the breakthrough, we don't stop praying, brothers and sisters. Now, what we're up against today is more powerful than anything any of us have ever faced. I know I'm battling it first hand. This kind is only going to be defeated in prayer and fasting. Now, most Christians have never fasted and prayed. We are commanded in the book of Joel as the generation seeing these things come to pass to gather in small groups in what are called solemn assemblies and to repent together, to confess our sins one to another, and to cry and to cry out at the altar of God, and to continue until our fasting and prayer produces weeping. And so fasting now is mandatory. And you will find that it is also a tremendous blessing. So seek the Lord on what He would call you to do. And let's not let the enemy get advantage over us. Amen. 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 Praise God. Benjamin, that that was powerful, brother. And, and folks, listen. I just want to say something in the end. Benjamin didn't say you have to fast to get saved. So please... Don't email me. Don't post your comment that Benjamin said that. It's never happened and never will. We don't fa- we can't earn salvation. It's free. If you could earn it, that means God owns, owes you a debt and God doesn't owe you anything. But God, the Lord said, there will come a day when the bridegroom shall be taken away. Then they shall fast. And folks, if you're struggling with a sin... You turn to Isaiah chapter 58, you read it, and you read that promise where it says, break every yoke. God didn't say there were some yokes that couldn't be broken. He said every yoke could be broken if you would do it His way. And folks, God's way is always the best way. You don't want to go plan B. Plan B means you will learn it His way, but it will not be the way you're going to really want to learn it. And uh, we want to take plan A. And that's the A where we just follow and do what he says. So, Benjamin, thank you for what you shared tonight. Brother, we thank you for the struggles that you've been through, and yet you continue to come forward and share a word. And so I thank God for that. Folks, you don't understand sometimes what it's like when you have to take the brunt of attacks. And Brother Benjamin... um, He takes a lot that many of you will never know about. And we know that God's people down through the ages um, 
contrary to the cakewalk Christianity that's preached, sometimes following the Lord, there's a price. But the reward is something you cannot put a value on nor a description to bear its glory. And that's what's coming, folks. We're looking forward to the final Remnant Call broadcast in the kingdom where we sit around and share together all the good things God did and how he brought us through the last days. Hallelujah. Brother Benjamin, God bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this. We look forward to having you back here on the Remnant Call, brother. And to everybody that's listening, please go back, check out part one with War on the Saints. Keep Brother Benjamin in prayer. Keep myself in prayer. Keep uh, Brother David Murray and his family in prayer. Folks, the enemy is attacking, but our God is great. God bless you. And from everybody here at the Remnant Call, saying to you, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountain. Lord, trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountain. Lord, trumpet in Zion.